turn. So Lord, move me behind the cross so that the word that comes forth will be pleasing unto you. Amen. Amen. We had a weekend, the Lord, didn't we? Yesterday, said it all. Thank you, ushers, for ushering. Appreciate the service. Miss Marietta and the senior choir, thank you for your words of great song. And thank you for all who have participated this week. Gwen May, I appreciate your service with me this morning. And communion stewards, though your job is forthcoming, I thank you for what you put in before, what you put in during, and what you'll put in afterwards. Amen. It's February the 6th, and we're preparing for yet another great season in the Lord. We're looking for Lent. And many of you will say, well, we know about Lent, so what's so exciting? Well, a lot of times the things that come into the season, because we're not actively involved in certain things, we don't necessarily know all the history. We don't know what comes behind the scenes. And and sometimes we say, well, I'll let them handle that. That's what they like to do. But we're coming up on a great season. The season that truly, if we had to say, creates the foundation of why we are Christians and what it means to know Jesus Christ. That's what we're coming up upon. This is it. And so at this time of great season, we're also looking at what happened before Jesus came to the cross. And our scripture today from the book of Matthew highlights a transfiguration experience. And so I start this message this morning with the simple thing that said, Did you hear what I heard? And did you see what I saw? Ask your neighbor, did you did you hear what I heard? Did you see what I saw? For you see, a lot of things are going on. And sometimes things happen and you just say, let me take my glasses off because maybe I can see it better. And for those of us who really have worn glasses for a long time in our life, we know we can take off our glasses from time to time and say, I think I can hear better now. (laughs) We have decided that our hearing and our seeing are inextricably connected. I don't know whether it's a little nerd behind our ear or something. We say, I think I can hear better now. Because I've taken my glasses off. And we ought to be saying, I can see better now, but it's just... We think and do these kind of things. The disciples had an encounter on top of the mountain. And we know about a lot of mountaintop experiences, but it's interesting that this particular passage of Scripture begins with an action. I want to read what it says right there in the beginning because you might have missed it when Gwen read it. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, 
and his brother Daniel and led them up the mountain after six days. So the passage already starts in action, and I encourage you to look back and read chapter 16, but I want to just highlight these couple verses so it can kind of help us understand what was going on that they had waited these six days for. So you see on verse 16, 16, Matthew 16, 16 says, Simon Peter answered God. Answer Jesus, and he says, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And the important thing was there was a revelation that had taken place. Amen. And it had taken place in, in the region of Caesarea and Philippi, and they had been traveling on their spiritual journey, but they were walking with God. The disciples were already walking with Jesus, and all of a sudden, after six days. Do you remember anything else in the Bible that happened after six days? Let's go back to the book of Genesis. After six days, God rested because he had created the world. After six days, if we look at Moses, he had spent some time waiting on Jesus. But after six days, on the seventh day, Jesus spoke to him and led him into 40 days and 40 nights. So think about six days and... Think about mountaintop experiences. There's a challenge that Jesus gives right to the disciples immediately on the mountaintop because he says, I let you know something early. Now I need to confirm what's going on. Can you imagine standing at the highest point, at the top of a mountain, with the greatest man? In the world. Jesus Christ. And then you turn around and you see there's Moses right there. And there's Elijah right there. And there's three of the greatest people on the mountain. And do you know what I'm saying? Did you see that? Did you see that? Did, did you see that? And maybe if we put it in the context of African Americans, maybe instead of it being Moses, it was Harriet Tubman. And maybe instead of it being Elijah, it was Dr. Martin Luther King. He was again on the mountaintop with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine doing this with that greatness of humanity? And then there's a word that comes forth out of the cloud in the midst of it all suddenly Mm -hmm. Jesus says this is my son whom I love with whom I'm in wealth and I'm not saying we don't love our daughters and we don't love our children but I mean can you imagine being in that crowd that's enough to make you say, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that voice that said, excuse me, this is my son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. Well, if you even turn over and look at the verses in, 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 in Second Peter that were read, the same thing comes forth because there's an important notice being set out. 
to the disciples. Hey, I'm going to show you something. And I'm going to show you it before I go to the cross. I'm going to show you it before humanity kills me for the evil and for the sins of the world. I'm going to show you something early. But after you see it, you can ask each other, did you see it? Did you hear it? But you can't tell anybody until the Son of Man rises yet again. Though there is good news, that's a challenge. Again, imagine yourself on the top of a mountain with the greatest of grace, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus Christ. And God reveals to you right at that moment. Don't worry about the conversation with Moses. Don't worry about what he's talking to Elijah and Moses about. Because I've got something to tell you that's going to affirm what you already heard, Peter, back on Matthew 16. Yeah, you know this is the Son of Man. This is the Son of the Living God. But yet and still, I need you to hear me. This is my son. Whom I love. And I'm well pleased. Listen to me. This passage evolves in a variety of different ways. There's a mountain experience. They go up on the top of the mountain. Then there's a conversation and a revelation. And then they come back down the mountain. And Jesus says, Shh. I know what you saw. But I need to give you a little teachable moment here. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what you see. Don't tell anybody what you just saw with your very own eyes. Until the Son of Man has been raised. On Transfiguration Sunday, on Black History Month Sunday, on the beginning of this journey of life. Why is this important? I'm glad you asked. I mean, some of you are just sitting there with expectations. What does it mean to me? I've already turned on WIFN and I'm trying to figure it out. At my station, what's in it for me? Why is it such a big hoo ha ha? Well, it's a big hoo ha ha because Jesus has shown ahead of Exactly what's going to happen. Exactly what is going to be happening to his life. He shows the disciples, and we are his disciples. So Lord knows we see the prophetic anointing. We see the inside out. God has shown you some things, so you need to turn around and say, Did you see that? I better believe it. He told them. He showed them. He has told us. And he has shown up. It's a great moment where the experience is embraced in a cloud. And a voice comes from on high. I'm speaking right now to my teenagers and my young people. Can you hear that voice come from the second floor in your house? You know you should have taken care of something. And they give you a heads up and they say, I'm giving you one more chance. 
to take care of that stuff. But some of us who work on tenuous jobs where every time we have a supervisor that changes their mind, you can hear that voice from another room that says, handle that. Be accountable. Because what's getting ready to come down, I don't want you to take the blame. And maybe you've been in an organization and God has revealed to you a new plan and a new direction and a new vision and, and you're not sure what it means. You want to turn around and ask somebody, but God says, I've already told you. I've already shown you. I'm giving you the heads up. Where I want to focus this message it's not that the revelation didn't take place. Not that transfiguration wasn't important. And not that Moses and Elijah didn't play a critical piece. But I want you to look with me right there. Between verses 6 and 8, Jesus gave some instructions. When Jesus gives instructions, when God has a voice on high and tells you something that's really important, I want to say to you, did you hear what he said? Did you see what you saw? Can you acknowledge by faith that that's the truth? And then when he reaches down and says, get up. Don't be afraid. He's giving you a proclamation and a declaration to step out by faith. He's asking us to walk with him and to talk with him and, and to go off the mountainside and, and to journey with him on our faithfulness and then come back down the, the mountainside. And even though we had a glorious experience on the top of the hill, he says, come down off of the hill. But you first have to get up. Have any of you named prostrate? Out of fear and not been able to move. And a small voice in there. Get up. Just get up. You know who I am. You know my voice. You know what I've done for you. Get up. Don't get hung up on the cloud. Don't get hung up on Moses and Elijah. Get up. Because the Lord has already spoken and said, this is my son. I've already identified who he is. I've already shown you he's both the son of God and the son of man. He is a living, divine being like no other. Believe me when I say, get up. So the question I ask you this morning, when you climb up the mountain, walking hand in hand with Jesus Christ, where he leads you, will you go? We have great ancestors. And I've got to believe that some of them spent some time on the mountain. Because in order for us to be living today, look around the room. We are beautiful people. We are intelligent people. We are an awesome and peculiar people. But it's because of the grace and the anointing and the belief that we can climb the mountain. Will you get up? Will you climb the mountain? Because Jesus said, climb. Or will you lay 
prostrate on the ground, fearful of what God is going to bring forth. Will you be so inclined not to do that you miss your blessing? Will you get hung up in what we haven't done? Okay. I fear. So I ask this morning, not only will you climb the mountain, but when you get to the top of the mountain with Jesus Christ, will you believe? Not only will you believe, but will you believe with excitement? Will you believe with enthusiasm? Will you believe with a spirit of a risen Savior? Or will you be held hostage by somebody else's news? Will you be hostage by what they said on Channel 4? Will you be hostage by the bickering at the poor author? City Hall. Will you be hostage by your own uncertainty? Or will you get up? St. Paul is a great church. St. Paul is a church with great lineage. St. Paul is a church that has lived through a many a change. I was doing some research on the Methodist Episcopal Church, and I looked up and I said to myself, a lot of things went on here. A lot of great meetings, a lot of great events, a lot of great people. But the greatest thing was there was always a spirit of openness, a willingness for our bodies to be utilized to share with our community, not only the gifts that we have, but willingness to say, stop right here. You can be here. You can vote here. You can have a voter registration driving. You can be active here. So St. Paul is a body. We've already answered the question that we're going to walk with God, with Jesus. We have already answered that question. Collectively, we have committed to going to the next phase of the 21st century, doing a new thing, putting behind us the past, acknowledging the great things about who Jesus Christ is, but picking up the walk. We're not laying in the floor, stretched out in fear. We have decided to walk this journey. A lot of people have had great mountaintop experiences, but they haven't been able to live day to day because they have failed to answer the question, will they believe the truth? And then after they fail to look at that question, they refuse to hear what Peter said. They refuse to move on to spiritual maturity. They refuse to acknowledge that the gift of walking down the mountain is not letting go of God's hand, but the gift of walking down the mountain is believing what they saw, accepting what they heard, and be willing to at any cost stand for Jesus Christ. We all know Peter denied Jesus. But the church was built on a rock. 
We all know about human frailties and disappointments and challenges and sadness. But what about the joy of the Lord? What about it? What about it is about that knowing Jesus Christ for ourselves? My grandmother used to say, if you know that you know that you know that you know, you don't have to worry about it. So I'm just asking you to know and believe what went on on the mountaintop. Take it with you everywhere you go. When you get down in your spirit, you go, oh, I don't think I can do that. Go to the scriptures. See what it's worth. And then the last thing I'll say to you. Jesus gave his people a great vision. And it was a vision that had challenges in it. Nobody wants to see the Savior killed. Nobody wants to believe at that point that he will be crucified. Nobody. It's up. That's something we want to know, Jesus. But he is crucified. For our sins. He is the Son of the living God. He rises on the third day. He becomes all that He says He would be, and what was seen on the top of the mountain becomes more than just a revelation. It becomes a reality. It becomes a fact of life. It becomes what we understand. But more than that, our faith is crystallized. Our faith becomes a true understanding that Jesus is Lord. That He is the sovereign Messiah and great one in our lives. And what is that psalm writer saying? He walks with me. And He talks with me. And He tells me that I'm His own. I share this last tidbit. Everybody deserves a mountain experience with Jesus Christ. I invite you the next time Jesus says, come up and go to the mountain with me. You don't know who you're going to see on the top of the mountain. You might experience your mama or your grandmama or your cousin or big mama that has gone on before you. You don't know who's going to talk to you up there on the mountain. But I highly recommend you get a moment with Jesus. Hold up to the mountain. But when he revealed, who are you? Ask yourself, did you see what you saw and did you hear what you heard? Yeah. Take your glasses off if you have to. Yeah. Check with who went up to the mountain with you. But be obedient when you see the vision. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your left. Don't get fearful. Don't get doubtful. Just say, I'm going to walk with Jesus. All the way. Every step will cost me where it needs to go. I'm going to be all across the country. I'm going to talk about that he says because this is awesome. For who I'm pleased and grateful of. Oh, hallelujah. I can talk about Jesus. He walks with me, baby. Yeah. Here's your opportunity. Watch the vision. See the experience.